welcome to Wellness Your Way. I'm your host, Megan Lyons, and I've helped thousands of people find their own way to wellness. Wellness Your Way is an extension of that work, aimed to help you find your unique path to feeling your very best. Each week, we'll go through tactical strategies you can use to improve your health, happiness, and quality of life. So grab a mug of tea or lace up your walking shoes. We're about to dive in. Happy Tuesday. Happy whatever day you're listening to this on. Hope you're doing great. It is the middle of December. We have just about 16 days left in 2020, and I know many of you are rejoicing. I hope you're with me in making it the best last 16 days possible. Let's finish on an upswing, and we have a great episode here today to help you do that. I am going to talk about exercise and mental health, a topic I talk about frequently. I will talk about a gift that you might want to give yourself or others for the holidays. I will talk about the top 10 things to measure for your health, how to choose one thing to measure for your health, and how to start measuring it. And then I will answer some listener Q&A, give you a call to action, and we'll get on the road. It's time for health news you can use, where I review one recent article or study, and today I'll review a recent article and study. We got a combo package for you today. They are both regarding mental health and exercise, and I read them both this week, and they're just so closely related that I have to throw them both in here for you. First, there's a study from the BMC Medicine in November 2020, and it concluded that there is a strong correlation between cardiovascular fitness, muscle strength, and mental health. So not really something we don't know. We know that exercise tends to lead to better mental health, but once you hear some of the numbers in this study, I think you will be as surprised as even I was. They tested participants on a six-minute stationary bike test and on a grip strength test, and they used those as proxies for cardiovascular fitness and muscle strength, and then they asked people a series of questions that indicated the person's mental health over a seven-year period. So what they showed was those with low cardio fitness and muscle strength they had 98% higher odds of experiencing depression and 60% higher odds of experiencing anxiety. Like I said, those numbers even blew me away. Even though I know this correlation already, 98% higher odds of depression, that is staggering. So really great motivation to get out for a walk, do an at-home fitness workout several times per week. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Just get in some resistance training or body weight training and some walking or other cardiovascular fitness as often as you can. Then the second part of this is an article from The Atlantic, which is kind of like an easy, fun read. And it mentions that 38% of us are getting less exercise in the pandemic 28% of us are eating a less healthy diet, 
And it also mentions that less than 5% of people get the recommended 30 minutes of physical activity per day, less than 5% of people. So if you are getting 30 minutes of physical activity per day, kudos to you. You are in the top 5% here. That's awesome. This article also goes into some of the same facts that exercise increases mood, reduces depression, increases well-being, and things like that. And it talks about that when we are craving comfort, we think we want this unhealthy food. We think it's going to soothe us and solve our problems, but it doesn't really solve our problems because basically we get used to the extra hit of pleasure. It's something called hedonic adaptation. So it doesn't make us feel good over the long term because we're doing it so often. And it shares that in the pandemic, we are doing this more and more and more. We think we're craving junk food. It suggests their solution to this is to do exactly the opposite of what you're craving. So it says, if you crave McDonald's, then just go eat a salad. If you crave sitting on the couch, then go for a walk. And this is a nice theory because I'm sure um, that works. If you are craving sitting on the couch and you go for a walk, you will feel better. But that's a big mental leap for a lot of people. This is not really the behavioral coaching strategy that I employ with my one-to-one clients. But still, it's uh, it's a nice read. It's a nice theory. And uh, I will post both the link to the Atlantic article and to the BMC Medicine Study in the show notes. time for Megan Recommends, and today I get to be Santa Claus, but I am a very mindful Santa Claus. I was thinking with the holidays around the corner, it might be time to talk about a gift you could give yourself or someone that you love. So all the trinkets, all the little goodies, gifts, things like that, they're fun, but I think one of the best gifts you can give yourself or others is peace of mind, sanity, connection, calm, some time to yourself, mental stability, all of these amazing things that uh, sound great to me and hopefully to you too. And one way that I get closer to all of those things is through my daily meditation practice. I meditate every single day. In 2020, I'm going for a straight 365-day streak Most years, I'll come up with like 360 or 350 days or something like that, but so far, so good, and I only have 16 days left, so hopefully I can make it. Actually, that's not even true. I know I will make it because it adds so much to my life, I wouldn't even want to skip it, Um, but because it's been so helpful to me, I thought I would recommend it to you. You can give the gift of meditation to yourself or others. When I started meditating, I was using the apps Headspace and Calm, and you can gift either one of these to someone for $69.99 per year. So $70 for a year-long membership to either one of these. Both are awesome. In my experience, I've used both. Headspace is a little bit more like colloquial. It's a little more relatable. They even make you laugh a little as they're explaining meditation. Um, It's very personable and relatable for a lot of people, and I like it for that. 
Calm is just as it sounds, a little more zen. They're a little more likely to have like forest music and ocean waves and things like that, which I also love. Personally, I used Calm more, although I really, really enjoyed both. But you can look at their websites. I'll post both of their websites in the show notes. And I think it would be such a great gift for someone you love. Then if the someone you love is a little bit nerdy like me and you really want to give them a super nice gift, one thing that I bought myself about three years ago, I think now, maybe four years ago, is a Muse headband. And the Muse headband is so cool. I use it for my daily meditation. It gives you biofeedback, which means that when your mind is racing, when you're having a lot of thoughts, your brain is at high activity levels, it will play a sound. Like for me, I often use the one with ocean waves. It's like crashing ocean waves when my brain is active. And then when my brain is calmer, it gives me some nice little cheeping, tweeting birds. And that teaches me to engage that calmness, engage that part of my brain, let my brain waves calm down a little bit, um, enter into more of an alpha state. It teaches me how to do that stuff with the biofeedback. So I had the Muse 1, now they're on the Muse 2, which I also bought. Um, and this has the addition of meditations for heart rate, which are really cool. You learn how to speed up and slow down your heart rate just by thinking about it, which I know sounds crazy, but promise you, you can see my data, it works. Um, breath meditations, body and stillness meditations, and of course the general brainwave meditation. So there's an Amazon coupon right now that makes it $209. So again, a hefty gift for yourself or others, but I have found it super helpful. If someone is already into meditation and has developed a consistent practice, then this might be the next step for you. I will post all those links in the show notes. Next up is the veggies of the matter, the main topic for today. And if you're new around here, let me tell you something about me. In fact, I just told you in the last segment, I'm a little bit of a data geek, a health nerd, health nut, whatever you want to call it. I just love tracking all kinds of different metrics for my health. I have spreadsheets full of all kinds of daily exercise logs and sleep quality and heart rate variability. I talked a little bit about this a few episodes ago. I'm constantly trying to improve things and this spurs me on personally to stick to my health goals. But I also understand that tracking so much can be just maddening for people. So what I'm going to do today is tell you why you might want to track any metrics at all and then encourage you to choose one. I'm going to give you several options. Encourage you to choose one to start tracking and tell you how to do that. Tell you which one you might want to choose based on your concerns and then tell you how to do it. So why would you track any health metrics at all? Two quotes that I love, one from Tony Robbins says, where attention goes, energy flows. So when you're tracking something daily, weekly, monthly, whatever, you are putting attention there. You are putting um, your focus there, which means that your energy is going to go there and you are more likely to see improvement. Similarly, Peter Drucker says, what gets measured gets managed. 
Uh, and so basically measuring something or tracking something just helps us focus on it. Most of us say something like, Ooh, it would be really awesome if I prioritize my sleep or I should really work on my stress levels or something like that. But just putting that out there without any follow through is very unlikely to lead to improvement. So tracking something helps us realize kind of what things are taking us away from the goals and also helps us get spurred on by positive reinforcement. So I highly recommend it, but if you are sold and you want to just dive in and track everything, I say absolutely not. This can get really overwhelming, and if you're tracking a bunch of things all at once, it's kind of hard to isolate which things are causing which uh, changes, and so I'm really recommending you to choose one thing. So think about right now what one thing related to your health doesn't quite feel optimal. Is it your sleep? Is it your digestion? Is it your energy? That one thing, we're going to find something to track for that one thing, and you're going to dive in with tracking just one. So I'm going to go through a couple of recommendations, and I will post the full blog post in the show notes so that you can see several other recommendations there. The first thought is if you are having energy slumps or you're just waking up not feeling well-rested, I would track your sleep quality. Now, I tracked hours of sleep or sleep quantity for a while, but sometimes it just didn't match up with how I felt. I might spend more hours in bed and I didn't feel well-rested. And it wasn't until I started tracking sleep quality that I realized why. So very, very briefly, we have multiple stages of sleep. We have the two most important stages of sleep are REM sleep, which is important for solidifying memories, boosting creativity. This is where you dream. And also deep sleep, which is critical for physical recovery, muscle recovery, repair, immune system health, blood sugar control, all kinds of body-related stuff is improved in deep sleep. And so when we're not optimizing our sleep quality, we often tend to get less REM sleep and deep sleep than we need. And even if we're in bed, this makes us feel not well rested when we wake up. For me, the three main things that um, inhibit this, number one, far and away is stress. When I'm more stressed, I just get less deep sleep. Um, blue light, when I don't wear my blue light blocking glasses before bed, I get less deep sleep and drinking alcohol. When I drink alcohol, I get less deep sleep as well. So I like to track my sleep two ways with my Fitbit. I have a Fitbit charge three and yes, I tried the Apple watch and I didn't like it. It was too complex for me. I really like the Fitbit charge three. I really do. I've had it for years and I think I will continue buying it. I've tried several other sleep trackers and step trackers, activity trackers, and it is just my favorite. So I'm going to post a link to that in the show notes. And I also use an aura ring, O-U-R-A, which is awesome. I love the aura ring for more uh, geeky data, including heart rate variability, which I'll talk about next. Um, but any other device that has a sleep tracking capability, if it's a whoop strap 
or a Garmin or whatever it is that's measuring your sleep. If it gives you a sleep score, that's great. Or if it gives you your REM sleep and your deep sleep, that's great too. Those are things that you could track. The second idea is if you feel stressed, physically, emotionally stressed, just worn down, heart rate variability is something great to track. Honestly, a few years ago, I'd never even heard of heart rate variability, and now it is one of the first metrics I look at every single day. So basically what this is, heart rate variability is a measure of the variation in time between each heartbeat. So you think, or at least I would think, this should be low. Our heart should be like a metronome. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Very, very um, methodical, very, very uniform. But this is wrong. Actually, when there's a bigger difference in time between heartbeats, when it's more variable, that means your body is more recovered. When you're often in this parasympathetic, relaxed, rest and digest state, your body just doesn't feel as tense and it allows greater variability between beats, which is good. But when you're stressed and you're wired, you're in that sympathetic zone, fight or flight mode regularly, your body feels rigid and it tries to protect itself with uniform beats. So measuring that heart rate variability is a great way to show you how truly stressed your body is. If your heart rate variability is high, you're well recovered, you're ready to tackle an awesome workout. If your heart rate variability is lower, it's a good time to take it easy, get more sleep, try to meditate more, decompress. Again, you need a device to measure this one, and the Aura Ring, which I'll post in the show notes, is my fave for this, but lots of other devices do that as well. Next thing, potential thing to track is if you want to improve your body composition, I would track body fat percentage or waist circumference. I am really not the biggest fan of putting all the attention on the scale. You can see in the blog post that I'll link all the reasons why someone might not want to use the scale or why you might want to use the scale, Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't support you in making body composition improvements. Waist circumference is so simple, but it's actually a great metric. It's a measure of visceral fat. It's a helpful helpful predictor of long-term diseases, all kinds of um, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, stroke, etc. And all you need is a tape measure. So you just simply measure your waist just above your hips. Right after you breathe out, you want that tape measure to be snug, but not super tight. You're not like gasping for air or, you know, puckering your skin or anything. Um, And for women, a measure of 35 or below, or actually under 35 is recommended, and for men under 40, so you could measure that. Or you could measure body fat percentage. For this one, it kind of depends on how technical you want to be. The ultimate is to be put in a dunk tank, which I've never done because it's cost prohibitive for most of us. Um, most cities do have access to a DEXA scan. Uh, for Dallas, at least, they always have Groupon. So if you're going to go get a DEXA scan, look at Groupon first. And that's like a, a high-tech Slightly less high tech than the dunk tank, but really accurate scan. 
um, that you can get of your body every once in a while to show you where your fat is on your body, things like that. And then if you just want to do it at home for less money, less uh, intrusive, less time, less accurate a little bit, but um, that's okay, you can get a body fat scale, which again, I'll link in that blog post, this week's blog post. So all of those are more, waist circumference and body fat percentage are more appropriate to measure than the scale. However, we won't notice changes on these every single day. So I do not recommend measuring your waist every single day. You probably uh, will need to wait at least a week or so before you notice differences. So I would recommend these maybe once a week or so. Okay, a couple more uh, for today, and then again, you can go see the blog post if you want the full rundown of 10 potential things you could track. The next one is if you want to improve your digestion, track your bowel movements. What? Is Megan talking about this on a podcast? Yes, I am. Track your bowel movements. How many when they happen, what the consistency was like, how you feel. I know it's totally gross, but you don't have to share this tracking on Instagram or anything like that. And honestly, the number of clients that I've heard say things like, whoa, I didn't even know I was constipated. Or I had no idea dairy caused me diarrhea until I started tracking. It's a lot of people. So if you feel your digestion is off a little bit, do yourself a favor and start tracking your bowel movements every once in a while. Bonus points if you write down what you ate too, so you notice any correlations. But just the act of tracking will very likely help you improve that. So the last one that I will mention here on the podcast, and then there will be five more on that blog post, is if you want to feel more centered, track your social media time. This isn't quite a health metric. I know it's borderline, but it might as well be, honestly. We're in one type of pandemic with the virus, but we're also in an epidemic of social media overuse. And so many times this scrolling reduces our productivity, makes us feel in a bad mood, reduces our energy, reduces our self-worth, like all kinds of negative things. So I recommend, and I do, track my social media time every single week. If you have an iPhone, go to settings and then screen time and then see all activity. And you can identify the time you spend on social social media or social networking, I think they call it, by day or by week. And honestly, seeing that number is like a little scary. The number of hours that you could get back each week is high if you're me or you're many of my clients. And just tracking it regularly encourages me to reduce that time. So these are five ideas of what you might track. I encourage you now to think of one of these, or if none of these resonate with you today, go over to the blog post, check out five more, but choose one thing you will track. Commit to tracking that for a month and just watch as it improves. It's listener Q&A time. We have two great Q&A questions today, and both of them come from listeners that whose names start with a J. So first up is Jessica. She asks, what canned soups do you recommend? I love a good soup in the winter, but most are high in sodium. Very first thing to say, just so that we don't give sodium a bad rap, is that I don't worry about 
adding salt to food for most people. There is a difference between added sodium in packaged foods, like a can of soup, so Jessica's really smart to be aware here, versus sprinkling some Himalayan sea salt on your veggies. For the latter, I am completely fine with it for most people. I actually personally go through a lot of pink Himalayan sea salt because I eat very little packaged and processed food, so I don't get a lot of sodium from those other sources. Uh, So that out of the way... Another solution is I love making soups. I will post links to my favorite slow cooker and instant pot recipes in the show notes. Uh, But if you're going to go with canned or shelf stable, I have three recommendations. Wild Zora is a great option. They have kind of like a dehydrated version that you rehydrate with water. Uh, Great ingredients though, great flavors. Kettle and Fire has bone broth soups like spicy cauliflower, which is great. They come in little mini cartons, kind of. And then True Primal has pouches of soup that have high-quality ingredients and a little bit more sodium than the other two, but still less than most. So I will post a link, an Amazon link, to all three of these soup varieties in the show notes. Second question for today comes from Janie. She says, are you going to do color up again? So this was a question from several weeks ago, actually, but I saved it for today because yes, we are doing color up again, starting January 11th, 2021 for four weeks. Signups are going to open on December 28th. And they will close on January 8th, three days before the start of the program, to give me time to calculate every single person's colors. Uh, If you missed Color Up last time, this is an exclusive Lion's Share program. It gives you the benefits of balancing macronutrients in order to help reach your health goals without weighing or measuring grams of foods or carbs or whatever, without counting your calories, without anything like that, any of the uh, more obsessive formats of macronutrient uh, tracking that are out there. The program also comes with a custom analysis of your goals and your starting place. And I provide you with your specific personalized colors for uh, to help you uh, guide yourself in learning what to eat. Just like all Lion's Share programs, there is such a great group atmosphere. There are tons of resources. There are several group coaching calls, so much more. It's a great alternative to what will surely be a January full of negativity and deprivation-driven diets and all of that kind of stuff that really makes me cringe in my skin. If you, like me, want to say no to all of that negativity, I really hope you'll join us. Stay tuned for sign-up information. And remember, that sign-up period is going to be December 28th through January 8th. It's time for your call to action. Here's where you get to take action and put what you learned into practice. Today, your call to action is to figure out your one metric to track, Determine how you're going to track it, gather whatever tools you need, figure out if you'll write it on a post-it note or an Excel spreadsheet or in your phone or whatever, and just get tracking. Commit to tracking for a month and watch as what you track improves. 
I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode. I can't wait to see you next week where we'll be talking about goal setting, how to assess your 2020 goals in a funky year, and a little bit about setting goals for the upcoming year. Until then, have an amazing week and thanks for joining me today. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wellness Your Way with Megan Lyons. I always love connecting with listeners, so be sure to follow me on social media. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss brand new episodes each week. If you love Wellness Your Way, please leave us a rating and review. I appreciate it so much. Stay well, and I'll be back next week. The Wellness Your Way podcast is provided for information only and should not be misconstrued as medical advice. Please consult with your physician or otherwise qualified practitioner on any matters regarding your health and well-being or on any opinions expressed within this podcast or the LionShare website.